Welcome to the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, where you'll get actionable tips and advice on major gifts, direct response fundraising, legacy giving, and much more from leading experts in the nonprofit sector. Now, here are your hosts of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, Andrew Olson and Roy Jones. Hi, this is Andrew Olson. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you leader to leader about something important. As leaders, especially at times of rapid change and uncertainty, it's easy to live and act from a place of fear. If we're not careful, that fear can paralyze us and keep us from effectively leading at work, at home, and in every relationship. But that doesn't have to be the case. My friend Ben Straub, founder of Velocity Strategy Solutions, a growth architecture firm that helps leaders and organizations accelerate revenue and maximize impact through data-driven strategies, has just released a great new resource for leaders. It's called Eight Things Leaders Say When They Fear Change and How to Confront Those Fears. This five-page resource gives you eight of the most frequent responses we as leaders have when we experience fear and the specific steps and language that you can use to move beyond fear to action. Click the link in the episode show notes to get this resource today. You'll be a better leader tomorrow because of it. Hey, this is Andrew Olson with the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast. I am really excited to be here today with Dr. Dion Rosser-Mims. She's the Dean of the College of Education at Troy University and a full professor of adult education there as well. Over the last two decades, she's authored four books, published numerous articles and book chapters, and spoken nationally and internationally on the topics of adult education and leadership. She's also the co-founder and former co-editor-in-chief of Dialogue and Social Justice, an adult education journal. Dr. Rosser Mims holds a doctorate in adult education and a master's in public administration from the University of Georgia. I'm so honored to have you here today with us to talk about leadership. Welcome to the show. All right. Great. Thank you, Andrew. And I'm glad to be here and excited. So am I. And before we get into things, I, I will also share that, you know, one thing about your background that I didn't put in your bio is that Dion holds a special status of being my favorite resident director from our shared time at Piedmont College. So <laughs> we go way back. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to see your face on this call and, and excited to have this conversation with you. Before we jump in, tell us a little bit more about you and about what you're doing at Troy. Sure. Um, so again, thank you for having me, and it's uh, an exciting to be here with you. And I, on this rainy day, I don't know if you can hear the rain um, in the background in uh, uh, what was a sunny day here in Alabama, in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, I am currently, as, as you mentioned, serving as a, the Dean of the College of Education at uh, Troy University, and it's just really been a, a, a blessing to, to have the opportunity to uh, work in this particular area, working with teachers, aspiring teachers, aspiring counselors, interpreter trainers who um, decide to work with the, uh, the deaf population uh, and, and a number of um, students who are going into psychology. And so I have this wonderful playground of, of, um, of program areas to work with and to help to develop uh, future leaders within Troy University. And I'm particularly excited about, and I'm sort of, sort of plugging Troy right now, but this will loop back into um, what we were going to be talking about today. Um, I'm excited about a new program we are launching in global leadership, which is a very important program and very much needed uh, for future leadership. Let's get right into this. So, you know, we're, we're talking about leadership today. Normally on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about fundraising, but uh, we're in a special series particularly focused on leadership. So I want to start by getting a little bit of understanding from you about your own leadership journey. And I'm, I'm really curious to know, you know, when, and I think I might know a little bit of an answer about this just from our shared background together, but when did you realize that you were, you know, 
destined for a leadership role or drawn to leading? Or like, when did you just figure out you stumbled into it? Talk about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, the stumbling part. And, and I think many individuals sort of stumble into leadership. And for me, I, I think it probably would go as far back as high school. Um, I uh, recall I was really heavily involved in a, a number of uh, student leader activities and, and, and also through college. You know, Andrea, I was heavily involved in, in serving as SGA uh, president and, and a couple of other leadership roles. But even at that point, I don't know that, that I really recognized myself as a leader. I knew I was very much interested in being a part of a process of making change. And I understood that in order to, if, if you have a complaint, if you have a concern, you don't need to be on the sideline. You need to be involved and be a part of the process to help be a part of that change process. And so uh, when I entered into uh, my graduate degree program in adult education and at, at the University of Georgia and simultaneously at that time I was working as a leadership development associate Banning Institute for Leadership and I, I think when those two activities sort of converged I, I realized gosh maybe I know a little bit of something about leadership I'm in a in a role where I'm teaching about leadership I've been doing the work of leadership for for some time and and so when those two um, opportunities presented themselves, the doctorate and then also the uh, leadership uh, development associate position, when all of that came together, I then realized, gosh, maybe I am a leader. So I'm curious to, to get your perspective on what you think the most important values are that you display as a leader. Sure. Um, I, for me, what's important is integrity being a, uh, a leader who is collaborative uh, and making leadership a shared experience. Um, I'm a firm believer that I'm not the only expert in, in the room, so to speak, and this sort of links back to my adult education background. There's strength in shared leadership. Uh, so when I work, for example, when I work with my uh, department chairs and my, the leadership team within my college, if you were to walk into a departmental meeting and you look at where I sit, I'm not at the head of the table. You're going to see me sitting either on the side uh, or if it's a, a round table, um, typically I gravitate towards a round table because that, that indicates my value, the people who are around me um, and, and, and my perspective that, that there's strength in shared leadership. The other thing that I think it's important that I found useful for uh, me as a leader is obviously effective communication and, and share and communicating a common vision. That's clearly important. But if that vision is is does not include the perspectives of the people around you, then you're not going to go very far. And then finally, I think it's important to uh, model what you expect. And then not expect someone to do something that you're not willing to do. There's a lot in there. I want to ask a couple of follow-ups. Let's start with the last thing you said about modeling and not asking people to do things uh -huh. that you're not willing to do. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of times people enter into a leadership role for the first time or even consistently with the thinking that, oh, I'm in charge. I can just tell people what to do. Can you share any sort of examples or, or you know, experiences you've had? 
where that's kind of been the prevailing mentality in an organization or with a group and really what it does to the results that that group of people is able to achieve. I'll give you a prime example. Um, four years ago, I was asked to move into a, a role, a leadership role where uh, I was required to oversee an accreditation experience. And I had very little expertise in, in this accreditation experience. However, my team around me were the experts. I was brought in to facilitate the team to reach a, a shared uh, a goal, which is to pass to achieve <laughs> accreditation. And so what I had to do is I had to rely on and trust the skill sets and the expertise of the folks who were part of that team. And so I had to identify certain individuals who had um, knowledge and skills, uh, and I'm being sort of vague, so I sort of have to be vague here, but the uh, what I had to do was to identify what, where the gaps uh, occurred in terms of expertise and to identify, uh, you know, across the team who could fill the gaps. And if we didn't have the knowledge and expertise, uh, uh, you know, present within the team, then obviously I would have to bring some outside folks in, which we did. But for the but for the most part, the knowledge and expertise was there, was present. And so what I had to communicate to the team, together we can do this, we can get past this hurdle. The team at the time was uh, sort, of def sort of defeated a little bit. Um, and so what I, as a leader, what I had to do was to say, look, I don't have all the knowledge. I will be the first to tell you I know nothing about. I mean, knew a little bit about it, but I know I know very little. <laughs> I know enough to, to be dangerous, but but not enough to, to to singularly help us to to as a team to get past and to overcome um, what I saw and I, and how I framed it was an opportunity, not as a challenge, but as an opportunity, an opportunity for us to come together to uh, work together to uh, uh, really achieve the goal that we were trying to achieve. And, and so, and I was very uh, vulnerable. I was open to them. I said, look, my success uh, depends on your success. And together we can do this. To, to go back to one of the first things you said as well, you, you talked about sort of that leading from the middle, if you will, right? Can you talk a little bit, so a lot of nonprofits that listen, or folks that listen to this podcast work with underserved communities and sure. with vulnerable communities. Can you talk a little bit about how a leader might incorporate, particularly if they're leading coalitions or things like that, where there might be you know, vulnerable populations involved, what are some ways to make sure that you're also being inclusive of really all the populations that might mm -hmm. be affected by a decision? So um, a lot of times as leaders, in, sometimes we make the assumption that our, our the team that we're working with or any group that we're, we happen to be in that um, there may be a deficiency or there's a lack of, of something. And, and I take a different viewpoint. I make the assumption that the skills are present. And, and so I, and, and I, I think it's my responsibility as a leader to sort of draw out the, what I think is, is present and, and the talents that are um, present and, and available to us uh, with the folks who are, you know, around me. And, and I think for any organization, whether it be a nonprofit or profit, any, any organization, I think it's incumbent upon a leader to understand, to learn who the people are around you, what they um, can contribute. 
and, and not discount those talents. For example, during this COVID uh, crisis for uh, all of my particular unit, uh, my college, I have shared with my team that the secretaries from the associate dean all the way to our secretarial staff, they are all leaders. They have, they have talents that they can contribute to the process. And I've even gone so far as to, to um, identify certain support staff. And I said, hey, if you've got an idea, I want you to be in the lead of X project. And, and, and you manage X project. And, and guess what? When I have done that, they've risen to the occasion. In fact, they've, they've exceeded my expectations. And so I would offer for any, any individual um, who's leading a team, take a step back and, and, and really assess the talents that are in, uh, around you and um, try to draw that out. The, the next thing I want to talk about is I, I would love for you to talk about what excites you most as a leader. Uh, and it connects to what I just said about you know uh, reaching out to individuals who uh, might you might otherwise overlook, and you talked about vulnerable populations, and uh, oftentimes we there there are folks around us who um, sort of are behind they operate behind the scenes, or we don't know enough about uh, what they do well. And I take great pleasure in uh, focusing on. Um, the, those who are typically overlooked and, and finding ways for them to develop and to shine and to show that they are fully capable <laughs> of performing and leading. And, and when I use the term and I, and I label a person um, who ordinarily wouldn't view him or herself as a leader, their shoulders sort of you know, go up a little bit higher and they hold their head up higher. And, and I find that their, the quality of the work that they produce increases. Um, and they are more likely to go above and beyond um, and without my even having to ask. And so in short, developing people, I take great pride in, in doing that. I find that um, spiritually, that that is my responsibility. I've been afforded the opportunity to be, uh, uh, and I've got a pretty strong network and it's been uh, afforded the opportunity to do a number of things and to develop myself as a leader and that I have a responsibility to give back and to share, you know, all of the, the things that, that have been given to me. And so, so all said and done, reaching back and lifting up and, to, and helping others, that's what, where I take the greatest pride as a leader. Amen. I love that. All right. So talk to us a little bit about the biggest challenge you've faced in your leadership. And what I really want to know is, what you learn about yourself in that experience. So a challenge that I, I've faced is having to make a decision that was sort of borderline that tested my integrity, put it to you that way. Okay. <laughs> and um, it, it was tough. I mean, and, 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 and so what I found that myself doing is I found that I had to make a decision. It was a decision that I particularly didn't care to make, but what I did is I found a, a way around it so that I did not compromise my integrity. And I'm being vague because I have to be a little vague sure. here, but I was able to accomplish the mission without compromising my integrity. And so what, what that said to me, what it caused me to 
to, to remind myself is at the end of the day, as a leader, at some point you've got to decide what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do and be willing to walk away. That's a big risk. And it's a huge risk, huge risk. And, and not many are willing to do that. And, and I think uh, under, in today's environment, more and more individuals I think are being tested and that's a tough decision that we all have to make. At no point in time do I think we should be, uh, for, and I can't speak for myself, my goal is not to compromise it, my integrity, to be honest in everything that I do, and I, and I can sleep at night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, authenticity is such a like buzzword these days, right? Yeah. But yeah. I feel like, you know, even for a minor lapse in integrity, a leader can lose most or all of the trust that that you know everyone or anyone has in them. Absolutely. So I, Absolutely. I, I hear you and I think that's a really big one. What's the most valuable piece of leadership advice you ever received? And I'm curious who gave it to you. So this is gonna be a, a blast from the past. So okay. um, this was a, a, one of the first college professors I had taken and she shared with me and she remains a mentor and a friend and a, and a sister to me to, to this day. And she said, um, actually two pieces of advice the sky is not the limit and do not compare yourself to other people because you will always find deficiencies and i give full credit to dr janice moss oh wow i i have (laughs) not heard that name in a long time but she's she's pretty phenomenal instructor too communications professor um, at piedmont college and and i think andrew you took her you probably had taken her for speech i did i had never spoken in front of more than like one person before i did that so yes yeah, so she, I mean, I, um, she, I just, and I will, I've never forgotten the, the first statement, you know, the sky is not the limit. And typically we use the, the adage, the sky is the limit. But what she said, meant by with you saying the sky is not the limit is that you're, you're, you're not putting parameters, you're not putting barriers, you're not, you're not limiting what your potential is. And in, in the, the adage that we typically use, the sky is the limit, you're inadvertently Pricing a parameter about around the <laughs> possibilities, and we don't really think about that. Yeah, for sure. And, and um, if you look at and re- uh, all of the work that she has done over the years, she has is constantly pushing herself um, to achieve excellence, and, and that's something that I've uh, modeled um, uh, throughout, attempted to model throughout the course of my career. There, I'm always raising the bar for myself which speaks to the, the, the point about um, excellence and, and not comparing yourself to other people. Um, I'm constantly challenging myself on how can I make something better with the hope that not that I want others to achieve the same level of excellence that, that I've achieved, I want them to surpass me. And so, so I'm constantly, you know, like I said, constantly pushing the envelope for myself and sometimes on the outside, those looking in, I have to be mindful. Sometimes I can be viewed as being too driven, and that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> it's just I have a level, got a standard, but I, I'm I'm quick to share with with my team. I said, look, you know, this is Dion. This is this is where I see myself. I'm not asking you to to reach this level. The only thing that I'm asking you to do is is to when you reached, um, achieve the goal. Ask yourself, what more can I do? 
in which you're, you're in, yeah. in that constant frame of thinking, you're going to inevitably continue to excel. There's the excellence will always be there because you're always, you're forward thinking, you're thinking about what can I do next? So follow up on that, because I think many ways around this, you and I are cut from the same cloth. I'm driven. I don't like to stop and, you know, take breaks or things like that. And I will often have people say to me, like, can't we just stop for a second and celebrate that we just did this thing, right? And, and for me, I'm like, no, I slept yesterday. I'm going to keep going, right? But I realized, and it took me a long time. It took me one really bold employee on my staff at a company I used to work for who, who said, like, is anything ever going to be good enough for you? And I, I realized yeah. like, wow, that's a really bad message to be conveying to people. Yeah. It's not yeah. what I mean. It's just yeah. that for my own, like just how I'm wired, I just keep going. Right. I'm curious to know how you balance that how do I absolutely with good. like making sure that you're encouraging your team and celebrating the wins. So I ensure, and, I, and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't mention this earlier when you talked about what are some of the key things that you, um, you know, I focus on as, as, as a leader, and that is you've got to have the right people around you who bring about the best in me, who, and, and I, I, instead of, I don't like to use the term um, weaknesses, I like to, to use the term growth areas. And so the areas where I focus less of my intention on is that I, I don't do enough of celebrating, uh, celebrating successes. So I ensure I, I know who the celebrators are and who, who do that well on my team. And I, and I, I shared with it, look, make sure, you know, I'm going a mile away. You make sure we, we celebrate and you help me to pause to ensure that we celebrate when we need to, because it's important to recognize the accomplishments um, when, when, when those wins occur, because it does refuel the team and, and even me. And so, um, and so I ensure that, that I've got the right people around me and I can't always lean on them to do that for me. So as a leader, I do have to take responsibility as well. So I've got to take the time to do so because it means something when as, a, as, as the person who's, you know, is responsible for an, um, incredible um, talent around me, I, I do take responsibility. And I think it's important for me to ensure that they care for themselves. If I don't take care of myself and I'm again, going back to modeling, if I don't take care of myself and they see that I'm always going on the go and, and then I say, Oh, Hey, X, make sure Sherry, make sure you take care of yourself. And they don't see me taking care of myself and I'm being a hypocrite. So, so I have to be intentional very much so intentional about ensuring um, what I don't, you know, I, I, the areas where I sort of have growth areas and, and I, I need to ensure that I'm intentional about not overlooking those um, important qualities that are needed to ensure that the entire team stays together and that we all are functioning well and healthy mentally and physically and, 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 and so forth. Awesome. I'm going to have to put some of that into practice because I, I am faced with the same <laughs> I don't, thing. I didn't say I'm the most effective at it, but, <laughs> but look, at least I'm aware. That's the first step, awareness, and then you've got to do something about it. So, <laughs> so I, I get the sense, particularly from a bit of a conversation we were having before we started the recording, that you've faced your fair share of change uh, in your career. Yes. So I would love to hear hear you talk about, you know, sort of what are the things that you do to keep your team and, you know, the organization that you help to oversee motivated and in alignment through mm -hmm. major change initiatives? So I think it's 
incredibly important to ensure um, there's um, transparency and clear communication. And so at any point, if, if my team were to get the sense that, that I'm not being truthful, authentic, and transparent, I think that that will derail the, the process. And that's been important, particularly um, in, uh, in current times where we've had to transition we had to, to really mobilize and, and, and flip the switch, so to speak, moving from face-to-face -face classes and uh, to an online or remote environment rather quickly. And so clear communication, transparency, and just being truthful about what's, what, what's happening. You know, as far as another important element, and I've tried to model this as well, and that is to continue to learn, continuous learning, um, seeking knowledge to try to understand what's happening around us, and also um, finding ways to, to grow in areas that, 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 you know, I might not have had time to focus on. And so during this current pandemic where we've, we are working remotely, I'm, I'm finding myself, I can now read more books. I am encouraging my team to engage in, in more um, professional development activities. And I've even gone so far as to uh, request that and not, I can't mandate anything, but strongly encourage uh, the, my administrative staff support to um, identify at least one professional development um, activity that, and I, we, we, I, and I would be willing to fund it. Um, in fact, I've got a, um, a alumnus who has uh, um, provided an endowment uh, to the college, which focuses on uh, professional development of both faculty and staff. And so I said, look, now is the time to take advantage of that. And, 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 I, and I've shared with my team, we're only as strong as our support staff. And so they're the, so to speak, so to speak the front line. And so if, if, if they are not con continuously learning and growing I, and along with the, the other members of the team, then together as a group, we're, we're, we're not strong. So, so I think continued learning and, and, and engagement and, and then finally, in terms of um, managing change, I think you have to be flexible and, and nimble. I guess I, I sort of embrace change. It might, this might sound a little, little um, weird, but I, I'm not afraid of change. I think um, change is good, um, not just for the sake of change, but I think it's important to be open to opportunities that present themselves and, and, and not be afraid to go after those opportunities. Follow up for you on the change piece. So, you know, in any change initiative, you have some people who are early adopters and they're like yeah. right there with you, you know, as you're announcing change for the first time. Then you've got those people who come along in the middle. And then we've got, you know, what I will occasionally privately refer to as the terrorists, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. people who, who are saying like, nope, we don't want to change. We're, we're good where we are. You go do your change and we're just going to sit here and wait for it to fail. I'm, I'm working with first. The last, the last group is who I, I would be gravitating toward. Talk, talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that, the, those are the folks who, the, the, the folks who, the, sort of the naysayers who really say, look, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and, and see how <laughs> everything pans out. I am engaging those folks because if you can get them on board to understand, number one, why are they not interested in, in um, being a part of the process? And, and, and what I found is uh, nine times out of 10, there is either a misunderstanding and or 
there may be an issue with uh, lack of relationship um, uh, uh, being there. And so I, I would, I, my stance is to reach out to them, try to get them on board. And if you can, great. If you cannot, then you move forward with the, the, the rest of the team. So. Yeah, you know, I had a, a situation, this was four or five years ago, where I was leading a, a really significant change initiative. And I had this one person who was clearly not excited about mm -hmm. the change. And, and she's someone who I respect and, and, and appreciate dearly. And, and I could tell from day one, she was like, nope, not having it. And, you know, the mistake that I made is I went past her to others who were excited about it, come full circle after this change is implemented. And, and she says, look, nobody came and asked me. I could tell you from day one, this was a risk, this was a risk, this was a risk. And I'll be darned if she wasn't running every single one of them, right? And so lesson learned, you're, you're exactly right. It's not always the most fun to deal with the detractors first, but I think it's a really smart approach to, to gain alignment. Yeah. Good, good. All right. One more question, and then we will let you go back to, to your day. I, I'm curious, and you, you talked about this a little bit already, but being as busy as you are and doing as many things, you know, leading a large part of the organization, speaking, writing, managing a household, all these things that you're doing, how do you recharge uh, personally? And, and how do you, um, you know, when you, when you look at all of the different things that you're responsible for and goals and priorities, you know, how do you recharge? And then how do you recalibrate your priorities to yeah. make sure that you're focused on the right things? Most folks would probably be surprised uh, by my saying that I'm an introvert. That might be sound a little odd and I am. And so I, when you use the term recharge, I mean, I recharge by sitting at home in a quiet space and picking up a book, some beverage <laughs> um, and just, just to relax and, 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 and have an opportunity to just to think about and reflect on, you know, what occurred over the course of the day. And over the last couple of weeks, I've really been sort of on what I would call a roller coaster. This actually was prior to the COVID um, uh, situation really um, coming to a head. It was really, we were working gangbusters on a number of projects and, you know, that task-oriented stuff that we talked about earlier, which is really, 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 really going. And I, I realized that um, I was not um, taking enough time to recharge because I was so mission focused, try, trying to, to move us in, in, in a particular direction. Um, and, and so fortunately there were no, um, I didn't have any, any issues along the way, but what, what, what triggered and, and caused me to pause, my daughter said, mommy, she said something to me. She said, mommy, you're always on the computer. <laughs> you're always, you're always typing. I was like, no, I'm not. And, and, and my husband said something similar. And, and said, no, I'm not. I'm not. And so it was, it was what, what caused me to sort of say, look, Deanna, I need to sort of reca recalibrate and take a step back and, and really focus on what's important to me. And that, and that is family first. Uh, and as far as work is concerned, um, going back to what I said earlier, if I don't, if I do not take care of myself and I'm and, and attempting to model that to, to the folks around me who I think it's important if you don't enter your workspace at your, your best. And if I don't model that, then how can I expect others to do so? And so first, I've got to hold myself accountable. 
know, Andrew, I'm at, I've got to, I've got to do that. I've got to recognize when I'm not holding myself accountable. Um, and when I, I do, when I reflect on that, that then I can reprioritize uh, and, and focus on what's important, um, whether it be family and, and, you know, whether it be work, um, I, I can then focus and have a clearer perspective about what is a priority on the job. I think you lose clarity and focus when um, you're not in, in your in, in a zone where you can um, make clear decisions and, and, and you're not focusing you know, on your health and such, so. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your insights. That was uh, it, helpful. It was, yes. If, if someone's interested in connecting with you, has questions about what you said, is there an easy way for people to get in touch with you? Absolutely. So there's two ways. LinkedIn, you could certainly find me on LinkedIn. Um, and then also my email address, drosser-mims at troy.edu. Awesome. Thank you again for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. Good to see you. Thank you, you too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, brought to you exclusively by Newport One. Newport One can make a difference in your fundraising so that you can change the world. You can always reach us at podcast at newportone.com. Please take a moment to rate this episode on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. When you rate this episode, it will help more nonprofit leaders just like you to help find us and get the information that they need to raise more funds for their organization. Thanks again for listening today.